Welcome back to the Early Weigh-In Podcast. We head to Mexico City this weekend for UFC Mexico. Total of 13 fights. Uh, our co-main event and our main event, both rematches uh, that ended in first-round shoulder injuries. So that's pretty pretty unique circumstances here. But co-main event, man, the Ira Rodriguez versus Brian Ortega. You know, winner there putting himself in great line for a title fight. Can say the same thing for the main event between Brandon Moreno and Brandon Roy Val at 125. Excellent showcase for the Hispanic roster for the UFC, man. Uh, won't waste too much time. Let's get down to breaking these fights and let you recap how we finished up last week. Good night for us both. Yeah, always like recapping when we're both in the green. Um, we both took a couple shots on some dogs that were both in some close fights, and uh, don't regret it by any means. The first one, we'll look at your card first, Paolo Costa over Robert Whitaker. Whenever they read the 3027 scorecard, I really thought that right. it was that we had it in the bag. Um, after that first round, wobbling Robert Whitaker, um, I thought that was at least the clearest round. Although right. I did think that Whitaker, you know, was the rightful winner, probably a 29-28. Ah, that was a t- tough one. Right. We were both on the Anthony Hernandez versus Roman Kopilov. You got a great number at minus 165. Um, hit that for 1.5 units. And let's see, uh, you're on the Taporia side at plus five and a half. Um, a safe way uh, to play somebody who's never been in a championship rounds, especially in the UFC. So uh, minus 165 for that. I didn't hate that at all. Carlos Vera showed up to be a little bit tougher than what we thought. I think Renia ended up injuring himself early on in the fight. So that probably played a factor in him not getting the finish. Um, and then you had... <clears throat> You had a parlay. Was it really minus eleven hundred? It really was minus eleven hundred. Wow! But I, I thought it was pretty much guaranteed. Well, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. So fight doesn't go the distance, and Hernandez Kapilov minus two twenty five, and then fight starts round two minus eleven hundred. I did. I definitely didn't notice that when you played it, but you hit that for two units and profited a little over a unit there. Uh, you took the favorite by TKO in round one, plus 220 for a nice little one-unit hit. And then uh, Davishvili and fight goes to decision, minus 260 in the opening fight on the card, Andrea Lee versus Miranda Maverick. Um, yeah, some some cheeky little bets, if you will, man. I, I like those for sure. You ended up plus 3.53 units on the night. Um, definitely a good night for you. Looking over at my card, uh, the only other straight bet that I hit that you did not was the Jeff Neal. Um, another really close fight, you know. It was split. Yeah, it was a split decision. Not that it should have been, but, um, you know, it was a split decision and a plus 210. Like, I think that that's all I could ask for. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Dern by submission. She got her in the positions that I liked. I mean, honestly, I think if – some the majority of the top time that she had had it taken place in the center of the octagon she probably could have gotten a submission but it seemed like the cage was blocking her from a lot of the finishing spots that she was trying to get to um i also was uh i was on fight not to start round two in that zang versus ribero fight both those guys first round finishers and ended up happening um, I think my best hit on the card, and I was negative up until this point, was the Taporia by TKO at plus 360. Uh, we talked about that before coming on. I, that was a lot of Taporia's win condition in my eyes, and Volt coming off that TKO loss. I think that was a really good number. Um, another TKO play that I had was Barlow by TKO, and 
he made me sweat for that one a little bit, mm -hmm. but uh, even though he broke his hand as well, he ended up finding that finish and um, pretty, you know, that's, I think that it proved quite a bit considering Josh Quinlan had never been finished before. That was a really good performance from Barlow. Looking forward to seeing him, a Tennessee boy. So, yes, you know, we're rooting for him. And then uh, Rogerio DeLima by submission. They dropped this line the day of the fight and it was plus 450. And I was like, shoot, one takedown and this is over. Yeah. Um, DeLima decided to just finish it on the feet, though. Chopped down that leg and looked really good doing it. Um, I ended up plus 1.97 units. And like I said, if we're both in the green, like it's hard to complain at all. Yes, sir. All right, moving on to our first fight of the card. It's in the featherweight division where we have Mohamed Nayamov taking on Eric Silva. Um, I think it's a really odd fight for the UFC to make. Honestly, Nayamov, um, he's on a two-fight win streak in the UFC against guys that he was not favored to win against and Jamie Malarkey and Nathaniel Wood. And I feel like a fight against Eric Silva is a significant step down from both of those guys. Yeah. Um, so it has a lot of people questioning why they would do that. I think that Eric Silva, he's still, there's still a little bit of uh, question marks around how good he is. You know, we saw him lost, hit, lose to TJ Brown, who um, has a pretty straightforward game plan. It could be that, you know, styles make fights and that just was not his fight. A, a heavy wrestler like TJ Brown, but um, I still think that it's not fair to call him a bust or not here. So him sitting at the plus 425, plus 400, it seems like the line's kind of gotten out of, out of whack here. Muhammad Naimov coming in as a plus 350 in his last fight and then now being a minus 500 doesn't seem too justified. It seems like almost a, a Victor Henry line whenever he came in and, and uh, won a fight that he might not should have. And then he came back and was like a minus 400 in this next fight and dropped the ball. This just doesn't seem deserved. So Naimov's the pick, but I, I'm tempted to play Eric Silva here. And just the fact that I, I don't think that either one of these guys have proven anything to be that big of a favorite. Yeah. So I am on the Naimov side. I have him parlayed, but at, at minus 260, you know, and now it's double that at minus 500. You don't you don't really like all that action uh, on your side a lot of times, but it's it's easy for me to get to the Nymov side here though. You know I feel like on the feet he's the better striker, uh, technically more power. I like his kicks. I feel like he's the way better wrestler, top control of the two. I think he's proven to me to have the better gas tank. An angle we've looked at here. I think he's the younger fighter with more experience. Silva, a 37-year-old guy who I do think a lot of his game relies on being able to find the submission. And you kind of reference that T.J. Brown fight. I was on Eric Silva that fight. You know, I thought T.J. Brown, very low IQ fighter, bad gas tank, um, you know, would make a mistake like he always does and get stuck in Eric Silva's guillotine. And I was left with a bad taste in my, not, my mouth with Eric Silva that night, just truth be told. Um, I wasn't impressed with the gas tank whatsoever. I wasn't impressed with the striking. Um not a very good guy at winning minutes overall. And I just feel like nine mobs got him covered everywhere. So while I might not necessarily agree with this, you know, 82, 83% that they're getting on earlier in the week, I, I did think he was a rightful side. So I'm, I'm on the nine mob side with you, but <laughs> at the present number, can't hate any buyback on Eric Silva. Dropping down to the, the men's flyway division. We see Victor Altamirano taking on Felipe Dos Santos. 
Um, Felipe Dos Santos, one of the more impressive debuts of two, uh, 23, you know, despite losing. Uh, but I feel like he left us all super impressed with his fight with Manel Cop. The guy's only 23 years old, super dangerous on the feet, looks durable as can be. Um, some of the flying knees, the, the guy looks dangerous. He looks explosive. And I do think there's a bright future for him uh, at such a young age. With Victor Altamirano, um, you know, I think he's a pretty decent kickboxer. He spams a lot of kicks. Um, a lot of his fights have been fought at a crazy high pace, where I do think he's shown a pretty decent gas tank. Um, the thing with uh, with Victor Altamirano is that I feel like the takedown defense, um, very suspect. I think there's very little uh, from Victor off of his back and pretty much a, a blueprint, a clear path for guys to go out there and beat him. So, um, I'm excited to see Philippe uh, bounce back from his first career loss. I'm excited to see if he has the IQ to make this fight easy and go to his ground game. Um, you know, going toe-to-toe with somebody like Cop, it, it's enough for me to be on the Felipe Dos Santos side here. But, uh, you know, going from a massive underdog to a big favorite, um, I kind of I want to gain some um, – Kind of want to gain some some data here on him. I don't think uh, you know. I want to see him get some UFC wins before I'm laying this kind of price tag on him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Victor Altamirano. He's, if anything, he's tough to yeah. uh, finish, and he'll kind of force guys to showcase a little bit more of their skills. So I think that this is a perfect fight for Dos Santos to do that after having to debut against such a tough opponent in Cop. Um. The fact that Dos Santos could put up over 300 striking attempts um, is is insane. And looking at Alta Moreno's output, he's never eclipsed 100 once in his career. And so I do think that the volume will add up on the Dos Santos side. At the current price tag, though, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, this is a layoff spot for me. So definitely uh, I'm with you on the Dos Santos side, but not not playing that price tag. Let's see. Moving on to Luis Rodriguez versus Denise Bondar. Uh, I don't really consider Bondar to be UFC caliber. Um, His last loss against, uh, let's see, what was it? Yeah, Carlos Hernandez. It's a technical decision, but it's one of the most brutal knockouts of the year, man. Um, I think that's a really tough one to come back from. And considering where Bondar is in his career and – the outcomes of his first two UFC fights. I think that this is uh, probably the the last fight in his UFC career. And this does seem to be like a fight where they've called up Luis Rodriguez, a a Mexican fighter to come in here and get a winnable fight. Um, The line also seems to be dropping in Luis, Luis Rodriguez's favor. I think he's got some wrestling upside. I think he's got, um, a little bit unproven, but Denise Bondar hasn't shown me that he's in a UFC type of caliber. So I'll take Luis Rodriguez here. Yeah, we see the fight pretty similar. I snatched up what was left of, I feel like, of the plus money. I just got one unit at, at even money, plus 100 there. Um, they didn't make this guy go back to Dana White's contender series. They signed him on the UFC Mexico card. They give him one of the more generous flyweight opponents that you can get. Um, I do think narrative-wise, UFC is doing what they can to get Luis Rodriguez a win here. 24 years old with already 24, uh, 25 professional fights, very experienced. Um, I see a power edge and boxing on the feet for him. I see a wrestling upside. I think there's cardio upside as well. 
Um, it's always nice to see a guy lose on a contender series and then go rep five wins in a row. So um, done his part to get back here. Um, and I think it comes out on top here. Like you said, Dennis Bondar, uh, potential fraudulent vibes here. Very, very padded record. They have to go look at it at five and five, five and four against people with winning records, something of that nature. Um, yeah, I don't think his wrestling's translated um, over to the UFC like he was hoping. I think he's got bad striking defense. And you talk about, you know, whether it's the injury, the nasty TKO, um, UFC career is definitely not gone in the direction he's wanting. And I think UFC's pretty much given Luis Rodriguez uh, one of his easiest tests. And at, at plus 100, 50 50 fight, I definitely think I'm on the right side there. So happy to play that. Taking a step up to the men's lightweight division, we got Claudio Puelas taking on Faraz Zium. You know, in, if Faraz Zium has anything to say about it, the over two and a half at minus 180 yeah, is going to be an absolute gift. Uh, Zium's finish is just not translated to the UFC, does not look um, very dangerous at all, just very content to strike at range. Um, and now he's got a, a you know a massive octagon here to dance around the outside. I will give it to him. Um, he's very sharp on the feet, very technical, very precise, but not a lot of power. Um, and he's very little offensive grappling threat whatsoever. And the times we've seen him put on his back, he has you know very little to offer, not a lot to get back to his feet either. But with the guy in Puelas, truth be told, he's just not a guy I believe in. I don't like his style. Um, if he can't find the knee bar or the submission in general. There's just not a lot to his game. Um, not very polished on the feet, easily outstruck. I don't like his gas tank late in the fights. Um, you know, <coughs> Zium's proven to, to to be a pretty good decision, you know, minute winner, whereas Claudio Puelas has not. So I, I do feel like Zium's the side for me. Um, but when you have such little finishing upside and shown holes on the mat, it's kind of hard to lay minus 200 price tag. So he's a side for me, but a fight that I'm passing on altogether. Um, so I actually like Puelas here. Um, you talked about the lack of finishing upside on the ZM side, which is why um, I can appreciate that Puelas will probably get the opportunities that he needs to be able to finish it. Even though he was um, kind of, you know, a, embarrassed in the last time out against Dan Hooker. Um, there were times where he got the fight where he needed it to be. He got Dan Hooker in some pretty tough spots. And, um, you know, I, I see somebody like Faraz see him, like I said, just not, not finishing him, not giving him enough threats to, for him not to be able to shoot those, you know, MNRE roles or whatever he feels necessary to get the fight to the mat. And, um, I don't know. Uh, I feel like we're getting a pretty decent price tag on somebody with as much finishing upside. I'd be curious to see like what DraftKings has him at uh, scorecards, no action or something like that, um, because he's the only guy I see finishing this fight. So if it's anything plus money, I think that that's a pretty decent spot to look at. I think that's a great play to look at. <clears throat> Let's see. We are... Okay, going back down to the flyweight division, Edgar, the rematch between Edgar Chárez and Daniel Lacerda. Um, yeah, we talked about this a little bit. Lacerda is one of these guys who probably has the skills in the first round to finish a good portion of the um, flyweight roster, yeah. but it has not worked out in his favor yet. You know, he's 0-6 in the UFC. 
Um, but it seems like every single one of those fights, there's moments where it looks like he might be the one to get the finish. And it just hasn't panned out that way. Um, you know, there was an early stoppage in their last fight. And I, to be honest with you, I felt like Lacerda was leading the dance up until um, he got caught in that submission. Um, he got Chares down. He threw some ground and pound elbows um, and then just gave up his neck. I don't think that he's a, fi- a high IQ fighter by any means, um, but I do think that he's dangerous. Um you know, the line seems to be like, uh, it seems a little bit disrespectful. I'm curious once the uh, the other props drop, what we could get Lacerda inside the distance, Lacerda round one, because um, those those really are the win conditions. It being up at elevation in Mexico City, I mean, that's even worse for his cardio. So it's, none of it's really looking great for Lacerda, but if we can all admit that he has he's a dangerous fighter in that first round, um, and he's probably going to be able to get the fight where he wants it to for uh, um, some time. Um, I, I think that he's a decent play at plus 325 as the line's kind of getting a little crazy with Charez minus 425. Yeah, price tag getting a little bit out of out of control. Definitely, definitely Paul's got, you know, I think it could be wide, but a lot of red flags, you know, like you talked about the cardio being suspect already. Now you throw in elevation. Um, I think this was scheduled even, even after the premature stoppage, it was scheduled again. And I think Lacerda had issues with the weight cut. So you got to throw that into consideration as well. Um, but I, I do think he has the ability to find top time. I do think he's maybe the more crafty, more dangerous guy on the feet. I just think this is a, a bad matchup for him because while we, like we said, I do think in round one, he's live against a lot of these guys. I just think Chires is so damn durable that he is, he's always going to be there in rounds two and three where, where Lacerda has kind of blown his wad and, and cardio lets him down. So, you know, if this was any other opponent plus 300, I'm taking the shot on it. I, I just, it's hard for me to see him getting Edgar Chires out of there in the first round. And it's, it's even harder for me to think that Lacerda has much left after five minutes. So I, I feel like I'm going to pass on the fight. Um, I don't really like the the rebooking so many times and things. It, it just, it, it's a little tricky. The fight's real volatile, but I'm going to go Edgar Chires round two uh, submission win. Staying at 125, Jesus Aguilar taking on Mateus Mendonca. Um, maybe this was the toughest fight, I guess, for me to, to pick a side super comfortably Aguilar. Um, he's just a guy to really, he's a guy that's, it's hard to cap for me. Cause when you watch his UFC run so far, you know, it's Tetsuro Tyra, which is a guy way out of his league dominated with the grappling. Um, and then they, you know, once you take a fight like that, the UFC is always going to reward you and you get Shane and Ross who he dust in, you know, 30 seconds to a minute or something. So, there's just not a lot um, of data out there on how this guy's going to fight um, if he does get extended. Um, and, you know, with Mateus Mendonca, I think he's got the skills to win. I think he's the quicker fighter. He's got all the size, the length. I think he's the better grappler. Um, and, and like Felipe Dos Santos, somebody that he trains with, he had a, you know, a short notice debut fight um, against a really good person in, or fighter in Javid Basharat. And, and he showed, you know, I thought he showed really good things, thought he showed that he can compete. Um, and then he gets Nate Maness as a minus 225, minus 250 favorite, and is rolling for knee bars, gets finished from bottom. 
Um, it's one of the reasons I want to kind of keep off Felipe Dos Santos this week. But uh, Mateus Mendonca's fight IQ, I think it's, you know, I think you can bring that into question. I think the way he manages his gas tank as well. Now you throw in elevation. You know, I'm not. I'm not sold that maybe he's winning this fight early and then and then slows down and gets guillotined by Jesus late in second or third round. So this is this was one that after tape, I truth be told, I didn't have the best read on. I do side with Mendonca because I think I think he's a better fighter. I think Jesus wins if Mendonca makes poor choices in this fight. Um, so I do agree with the line movement. I'm going to side with Mateos Mendonca. Um. So I think I'm on the Aguilar side, uh, not with much conviction. Um, I, I definitely like to, you know, kind of sit on it, hear some other opinions before I make a play on it. Even though the line is coming down and plus 118 looks pretty good. It seems like Mendonca is the uh, the public favorite this week, but yeah. uh, it, it's really tough for me to lay a, lay a juicy price tag on a fighter that I have not seen win in the octagon. Um, it's just, to me, that's, that's pretty off-putting. And Aguilar, like you said, even though he's a little bit unknown, it's it's kind of easy for me to throw out the Tatsuro Tyra loss and the uh, the bounce back that he had about as good as you can ask for. Not what you want to see as far as being able to gauge where he's at in his career, but you know I can't ask for much more um, at a plus price tag. I, I think that he's probably the uh, the side for me in this one. Moving up the. Screen. Four card to the prelim main event, Christian Quinones taking on Rayoni Barcelos. I don't know. The question is that whether or not Barcelos is over the hill or not. You know, he's 36 yeah. years old. Um, you know, he's one in four in the past four years um, in his last five fights. And it's just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's tough for me to say that he, that he still has much left in the tank. Christian Quinones, completely different point in his career at only 27 years old. Um, him coming off the loss to, to Kung Hyo Kang after Kang went out there and looked as bad as he did against John Castaneda, certainly not aging well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a layoff fight for me. Obviously, this seems like they're kind of setting up Christian Quinones with a winnable fight. Um, but Rayoni Barcelos, he's, he's only dropping the ball to – pretty decent guys, you know, um, I don't have a, a great read on this fight. As far as the, the line goes though, I, I'm not sure I want to lay, you know, two to one on Randy Barcelos where he is currently, but I, I do expect him to win this fight. So I'm on the, I'm on the Rayoni side here, man. I got to trust my gut. Uh, a few years ago, you get this line and it's a max bet. Um, but you, you do kind of pause a little bit when you see him lose four of his last five, when you see the nine-year age gap. Um, but I I truly feel like, you know, the Rayoni that shows up, that fought Timur Valiev, that fought Kyler Phillips, plenty enough to get his hand raised here. I actually still think he's a, a bit more faster than Christian Canones is. I think is one, two down the middle, a lot cleaner. And uh, I do not think Christian's defense is all that great. Um, and, you know, you see the knockout from Umar. Um, but truth be told, man, I really do think that Barcelos is a bit more durable than this Christian Canones guy as well. Um, and the biggest advantage is on the mat, man. Kenny Kong sliced through this guy, took his back, easily choked him out. Not the first time I believe he's been submitted before. 
And I do think Roney has the ability to hurt him on the feet and snatch up something um, or even go to his wrestling early in this fight. I think there is a significant eight or significant skill gap on the mat there. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to ride with Roney Barcelos one more time. Um, you know, a lot of these Mexican fighters you do see as significant favorites throughout the card. This is one of the few Mexicans that are actually underdogs. So, I don't, you know. I don't really know if the UFC really cares who wins this fight, truth be told. You know, I feel like it's a legend like Rayoni getting back on track or cool, you know, our young Mexican prospect got a good win over an aging veteran. So I'm not so sure the UFC has too much interest in this one. Um, I'm on, I'm on the Rayoni Barcelo side here, man. Kicking off our main card at 155 is an absolute killer fight. Um, I think UFC knew what they were doing here. Somebody's getting finished in my eyes. Um, just the truth about Chris Duncan, I've, I've kind of always doubted the guy. Um, you know, the first fight against Sloppy Balls, and, and then I tried to fade him against Charlie Campbell. I tried to fade him even betting Omar uh, Morales. And I will say there's there's been improvements from the guy. You know, the gas tank looks a little bit better. He's way more willing to go to his wrestling instead of making it a brawl, which I absolutely think he would need to do here as well. Um, because I think the, the chin issues could rear their ugly head again, man. You know, Chris Duncan's a guy who I think is a little bit hittable and a, a little bit slow. Manuel Torres, I think, fights really long, fights looks really, really big um, for the weight class. I think his hand speed's a lot quicker. You see the uppercut that he hit um, that he hit Camacho with. I mean, you know, it seems like Chris Duncan doesn't see the uppercut coming. Uh, I just feel like Manuel Torres, well, a lot of it is in round one. Um, I don't think he's seen a second round in six years. I do think he – I was willing to bet it at minus 140, and, and I do think that he's going to get that TKO in round one. Um, but I, I do see – I do see the path for Chris if the fight – if he survives an early storm. I do see maybe some wrestling um, down the stretch, maybe an advantage in the cardio. Um, but I do think he has to weather a very early – storm in order to get his game going so i was comfortable with minus 140 um and i do think if i want to buy back on chris duncan live if i see this fight swinging that'll be an opportunity for me as well but i do have manuel torres by by first round tko um i was considering a torres bet uh early in the week especially after tape study it's just you see guys like uh on if I look back on it. Um, guys like Charlie Campbell in his contender series fight. Um, catch him, almost finish him, almost, you know, didn't let him into the UFC. Manuel Torres looks like a significant step up in striking to Charlie Campbell, in my opinion. Um, that being said, Torres's defense isn't that great either. Um, even though, you know, there are some unknowns on his cardio, I think that there are some glaring holes in his striking defense. Um, Chris Duncan, I think that he could exploit it. Um, all that to be said, Chris Duncan's does look a little worse. Torres looks a little quicker to the punch, which is why I favor him um, to catch Duncan first. But uh, ultimately, I think I'm looking at this fight to end by TKO, see if I can get like a minus one. 60 or something like that um, whenever DraftKings drops it. That's probably how I'll look at playing this fight. Both guys, <clears throat> a lot of finishing upside on the feet. If it goes to the ground, I think Torres has a little bit slicker submission game, um, but I, I don't really see this fight going to the ground. Neither guy has a lot of 
great wrestling. Duncan, like if he does extend this past the first round, I don't expect him to be, you know, scoring takedowns over and over again. I more expect him to, you know, grind up against the cage, make Torres work. Um, but he doesn't have the greatest pure wrestling, in my opinion. Um, so I do expect this fight to stay on the feet and end on the feet. Um, so, yeah, the the TKO is how I'm looking to play this fight. I do think that Torres is a little quicker to the punch. So I'll pick Torres for the sake of the pod. Um, moving up to the, well, moving down to the women's uh, strawweight division, Yasmin Howergy taking on Sam Hughes. Um, I mean, I'm a Sam Page fan, you know, I think that she's, I one of those, yeah, she's one of those like Darren Elkins-esque type fighters, you know, she's got a ton of different heart, a ton of heart, um, but doesn't have much as far as, um, you know, raw athleticism or skill. Um, she's just a, a gritty, tough girl, man, and she makes people work and um, something that you love watching um, as far as the, you know, the ceiling, the potential on Sam Hughes as a fighter, I don't think that she could ever get into the top 15. And uh, when I look at Yasmin Howergy, although she does have some some holes in her game, she's she's hittable and she's paid that price. She's still extremely young. And when she is showing the best side of herself, you look at her and you're like, God dang, that's a upper echelon of the division. The way that she moves, it's just a little bit different than a lot of the girls um, that she's facing. And I think that she has a ton of potential. So um, I'm not even upset at the price tag at minus 550. Um, it makes you want to play um, the under, you know, if somebody's that big of a favorite, you want to play the under. But um, truthfully, like <laughs> you have nobody to blame but yourself if Sam Hughes is able to take a ton of punishment by Yasmin and she does hit that over um, because she's been doing that her entire career. So why would it change now? So as much as I like Yasmin here, um, Sam Page, I think, is an opponent who's going to give her the opportunity to showcase her skills over 15 minutes. And, um, you know, I think that Yasmin's the rightful favorite. So I don't have a play for it, though. Maybe. Yeah, no play. You're not no even play. hurt by decision because I think you're even having to pay minus one twenty her by decision. So I don't like that either. Yeah, no action for me either. Sam Page uh, kind of got some shit in her debut for kind of I don't know taking this the doctor stoppage on the eye against Tisha Torres and stuff. But you know she has answered a lot of those questions for me since then. Man, she's a tough girl. Um, Here's the thing. I, I don't think Yasmin's going to blow her wad and let Sam come back on her. I don't think Sam has some massive wrestling upside or anything here. I'm actually quite okay with the line as well. You, you talked about when you see Jasmine on her best day, it's like, yeah, that that's a future top 10 girl. And, you know, you could, you could never say that about the eight and five Sam Hughes. So gritty, tough girl, you know, when they give you a price tag like this on her, it's, it's kind of easy to throw a little sprinkle out, but, I think Yasmin's got her covered everywhere, man. And, you know, I think they are kind of – it was like plus 200 for the under two and a half. So, I even kind of looked at that earlier in the week as well. But it, it almost kind of feels like a trap. I feel like Sam's going to take her beating for 15 minutes, like you said. And uh, Yasmin win a pretty clean unanimous decision. <clears throat> Getting into the meat of the of the main card here, man. Raul Rosas Jr. taking on Ricky Tercios. Um, you know, I've seen – I bet on Raul Rosas Jr. 
and truth be told, I really thought he was going to see a lot more love this week from people parlaying him just like myself. But there's actually been some buyback on Ricky, and I I, I don't really get the love for Ricky, just truth be told. Uh, stylistically, I think it's a horrible fight for him, you know. Um, I think we've seen the best of that we're going to see from Ricky Tercios. He seems to be pretty content with just coaching at the gym, showing up once or twice a year for a paycheck here. Where Raul's 19 years old, getting all the UFC backing. I, I think this is the guy you're going to see massive leaps from between fights. Um, in the cage, he's a far more dangerous guy. Very little finishing upside from Ricky at all. Um, you know, I really do think like 90, maybe 90 plus percentage of, of of someone's finishing upside here is on Raul Rosas. I, I don't see a world where Ricky Tercio finishes this fight. Um, and when you when you look back at Ricky's fights, anybody who's really wanted to take this guy to the ground has been successful, whether it's Kevin the Tivy Dad, High Stan, guys like Dan Argueta on Tough. And what I think Raul does better than all of those guys is I think he is way better at jujitsu, way better at controlling. I think he can find the back and lock in a, a you know, body triangle and ride out minutes. I I don't think the Raul Rosas has to finish this fight. I, I kind of think, I don't want to say I'm like crazy hype about the guy and think he's going places, but I do think his ground game is very legit. And I, I do think it's more than Ricky's going to be able to handle. And um, I think it's enough to bank two rounds um, and, and maybe he loses round three, but I don't think Ricky's that dangerous. It almost is kind of like a Charles Johnson to an extent, you know, like he might win round three, but he's, He's never foot on the pedal finishing anybody, so he's still going to lose a lot of these decisions where he's taken down. And I kind of feel the same about this fight um, with Raul Rosas. You know, he's young. I feel like he's already he's already made that gas mistake where he comes out and blows his wad early in the fight. Um, and I feel like he's going to learn from it. So, yeah, I, I really like Raul Rosas Jr. He's not a guy that typically I have been betting in the past. I bet C-Rod against him and things, so – um, yeah, I'm on the Royal Rosa side here. I feel pretty confidently about it too. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. This just seems like a yet another matchup where we could see a split decision for Ricky Tercios. It seems like they continue to match him up with somebody who has better wrestling, and um, it's a fight that Tercios excels at making extremely close. You know, um. He's gotten the better of it, you know, whenever he was taken down seven times against Kevin Natividad and six times against Brady Hastead, and he's still able to win it out on the judges' scorecards. Um, he's got a little bit of Tony Ferguson in him where he, you know, even if he is off of his back, he's still, you know, making some, finding some weird angles, making some plays off of his back, and I can appreciate that. As far as <clears throat> betting on Ricky Tercios, though, he doesn't have the attitude of a fighter that I personally like to back. Um, I can appreciate his nonchalantness and um, it, it's it's refreshing to see a fighter who has that type of attitude towards fighting. Um, but that doesn't mean that I, you know, personally want to put my money on fighters who have that type of attitude. Um, where Ro, Raul Rosas Jr., it just seems like the UFC would do everything in their power to match him up against favorable guys. And um, truth be told, I think that this would probably uh, um, be considered his best win to date. Um, the two guys that he has beaten in the UFC so far have been Terrence Mitchell and Jay Perrin, and that's uh, that, that does not tell me much. Even Christian Rodriguez, that was one of those fights where I don't think people knew how good Christian Rodriguez was, but that's not somebody who's, you know, officially made himself a name in the UFC. You know, he's still kind of one of these 
um, middling middling uh, bantamweights in the division. And uh, I think Tercios kind of falls into that same category. But I think that Raul Rosas can can uh, get the win here. I don't want to bet him at this price tag. I think that he his finishing upside um, is needed more than I think you do. Um, strictly because, like, like I said, Tercios seems to make those type of fights go in his favor just off of activity. And so if Rosas isn't able to get the the finish, I think that the grappling, it's just not rewarded these days. And Tercios having a history of it, it's it's tough to bet him there. So Raul will be the pick, but um, I might be considering playing like a <clears throat> Raul by submission. I see a plus 240 out there. Um, I don't hate that. I could find like a half unit on that because I do expect him to get the fight to the ground. Um, Tercios. Difficult guy to finish, though, so maybe a layoff spot. Uh, moving on to the featured bout of the card, Daniel Zellhuber taking on Francisco Prado. Uh, Daniel Zellhuber, um, I think that he's been a guy who's been pushed since he came into the UFC. He's 24 years old, six foot one at lightweight. Um, looks like he has a ton of potential. Um, he's had a, a stinker of a fight here or there, but whenever he's on, he looks really, really good. He's coming off of a finish off of Chris Josiagos. Um, where he locked up, showed us a little bit of his uh, submission game and locked up an anaconda choke using those long arms of his. Francisco Prado on the other end, um, another really, really young prospect at only 21 years old. Um, he's 12-1, and one, and his first loss in his UFC career came to Jamie Malarkey, who we you know, know and love, know that he's a, a good veteran of the game. And um, just like a lot of undefeated fighters taking their first loss. He, he lost a decision to a crafty veteran in Jamie Malarkey, and uh, he bounced back against Otman Azaitar and, and did exactly what I would want somebody to do coming off the first loss of their career. I thought he looked exceptional. He looked uh, dangerous with the attacks that he, he would throw. Um, I kind of I like his game. I could see a world where he struggles getting on, on the inside of Zell Huber. We talked about that a little bit before, and you're right. Zell Huber does kind of offer a tricky um, tricky game trying to get to close the distance on him. But Francisco Prado, he, 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 gives, he takes the risks that I think are going to be necessary for him to find success here. Um, and so at plus 230, I do think that, the Zell Huber, that that line's kind of gotten – a little bit out of hand, and I think that there's some value on Prado, especially considering the the finishing upside that he has historically in his career. I'm on the I'm on the Zell Huber side too, man. Um, I I I kind of compare Zell Huber a little bit to like an Ian Gary to an extent, and I kind of see this fight going kind of like Ian Gary and Jeff Neal. I kind of see Zell Huber using this big cage to dance around the outside and. You know, just pick Prado apart from the outside. I think he throws a bunch of the kicks that are going to stifle Prado's volume. I think if Prado tries to close range, he's going to get beat up. Um, he's the one that's going to have to take those risks because Daniel doesn't really put himself in danger too much. Very sharp kickboxer at range, only 24 years old. Um, I've bet on this guy a whole lot. Um, even lost, you know, betting him in his debut. I really like what I see from the guy. I think he has the better cardio here. I even think he has submission upside. Um, if anybody does here, Prado, very dangerous guy. Um, all 12 wins are inside the distance. 
and and you know that leads me to think that he he kind of has to get this done inside the distance. He you know if this goes to the scorecards, I, I do think it's a pretty easy win for Daniel. I think if it goes to the scorecards, it's because Daniel's picked him apart on the outside for three rounds. Um, so big power coming from the Prado side, um, but I think he's gonna doesn't throw the combinations to get on the inside. So um, Daniel's been hit a little bit, but he showed me good recoverability, showed me a good chin. Um, and I think he, you know, could be a stinker of a fight, truth be told. Um, it kind of depends upon how Prado is going to take this approach. But I like Zell Huber to, to win a pretty clear decision on the outside here. Co-main event, rematch at 145, Yara Rodriguez versus Brian Ortega. This is a killer fight, man. Um, I went back and watched tape on these guys and, you know, it's hard for me to get a real comfortable side. And then the line flipping made it even a little bit trickier for me. Cause I think we both bet Yair at plus money the last time out. Um, and then when I watched the fight back, it's like Yair, Yair was touching him up on the feet. That's, you know, no questions about it. He looks sharper. His hands look faster, but that's really nothing new for Ortega who, you know, kind of, kind of takes a beating before he gets going. But once he finally got his arms around Yair and stepped across him, he kind of got the fight to the mat a little bit easier. And and I think uh, Brian Ortega probably has the better gas tank here as well. Um, he's a very opportunistic submission guy. He doesn't have to, um, he doesn't have to take you down in order to get the submission. You know, he can jump the guillotine in the clinch. If you make a sloppy attempt on him, he can snatch up the guillotine um, like I said, he's not a guy who has to rely on his wrestling in order to find his submissions. I really like his forward pressure. And this is a really tricky fight for me. Um, I, I feel inclined to take plus money on either one of the guys, just truth be told, because I think it's a super volatile fight. I, I think there's a world where Yair picks him apart from the outside. You know, Brian doesn't wear damage too well, can swell up the eyes, just be way too quick for him. But, you know, Ortega's shown up, looked really good off of a layoff before against the Korean Zombie. And I think, you know, Brian Ortega coming off another layoff here, healed up, ready to go. I don't know, man. I think the fight's close. And so I think Yair might get upset in Mexico on Saturday. Um, I think the odds have a lot to do with me siding with Brian Ortega here. Um, But, yeah, I'm going to take the plus money on Brian Ortega to get the job done. Um, so, yeah, Ortega is one of those guys where he has the finishing upside at any point in the fight. You know, he could be losing four rounds to none. And in the fifth round, he has the submission game to be able to lock something up and finish the fight. Um, you look at his fight, his career historically, and it's like the only time that he's getting finished is if he's injuring himself or if the doctor steps in and stops it. Um, so I'm personally looking at this fight and probably right after the podcast is over is about to release a play on the um, scorecards, no action for Ortega, where you can still get plus money on it. And, um, you know, like I said, like I don't I he can take the hardest of shots, the top 10 featherweights, you know, not historically not being a, a set of um a division that, that finishes at a high clip. Um, mm-hmm. The times where they are finishing, it seems like it's a lot of the times it's Ortega's fights, you know, and it's whenever he's able to lock up those submissions. Um, so I do think that he has 
the upside, the finishing upside in a fight that I do expect to see, or I do expect to be very close. Um, so this could be a complete void, but uh, I'm pretty comfortable taking Ortega um, inside the distance. Scorecards, no action here. Don't hate that at all. <clears throat> Moving up to the rematch between Brandon Moreno and Brandon Raw Dog Roy Val for our main event. Um, this is a um, probably a title eliminator if Moreno wins. I'm not sure about Roy Val as long as Pantoja still got the belt. I think that Roy Val will probably, you know, the reason why I think it's a, a title eliminator for Moreno is because he's held the belt before, so it makes a little bit more sense. Uh, Pantoja and him have a history with Roy Val. It's a tough sell to try and put, um, you know, Don't back in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as the the card though, man, like I Moreno is probably one of my favorite fighters. Um, I really, really want to back him here. Um, but you know, right now I'm looking at his, at his money line on DraftKings at minus three fifteen, And that like, that's a real chuckle. Like I, I think that that's crazy, dude. You know, I, I watched the first fight today and the entire fight, like it's, you're holding your breath, you know, both these guys have a ton of potential to finish the fight. Roy Val specifically throws from so many different awkward angles. Um, He's a dangerous fighter, man. They're constantly looking for submissions. And even though I I would agree that Moreno's um, a little bit cleaner on the feet, has the wrestling upside, even when he is in top control, he's getting submissions thrown up on him constantly from Roy Val. And, um, you know, I, I'm curious to see how that fight played out if Roy Val didn't get hurt. Because he, even though Moreno was riding out some top time, Roy Val was still making him work the entire time. And it's just, uh, I don't know, this seems like a spot where people are too confident on Moreno here. These guys are 125 pounds. And, and the upper echelon of that weight class, a lot of those fights are extremely close. You know, we get a lot of split decisions and stuff. And I, I could certainly see that um, for from Roy Val here. You know, if he catches him a couple of times, he could sway the judges and in the favor of him for a couple of rounds. Um, we're getting plus money on him, plus five and a half. And, uh, you know, at, considering their first matchup ended inside the distance, it just seems appropriate. Like, it's just how MMA works, that the rematch, it's going to go to the judges' scorecards. And I expect Roy Val to make this one a... A close one, you know, even if he loses, I expect it to be close. So plus money on plus five and a half is probably how I'm looking at it. Um, But Moreno is who I'd be picking if I'm throwing him into parlays or something like that. Yeah, I hate to hear that, man. I'm I'm a bit more confident on the Brandon Moreno side than you are here. I, uh, you know, favorite the first time they fought, um, even bigger favorite this time around. And and I kind of agree with that. You know, I think uh, Brandon Moreno is the one who's grown tremendously as a fighter since then, held the belt twice, been all, been in all kinds of five-round experience against the best competition. Um, you know, he's the one who's coming in here on a full camp as well. He's been training at Mexico City, getting ready for the elevation. I think in terms of pure boxing, uh, Moreno's got his number there. I feel like he's got the way better wrestling, showed that in the first fight. Um, and where he doesn't have the same type of output as Roy Vall, Brandon Moreno's gas tank is elite, man. Um, can easily go five rounds here and no worries there. With Roy Vall, there's always the concern on a two-month turnaround after a hard title fight. You know, no way he got back in the gym Monday after the title fight. You know, I'm sure there was a little bit of time off there. 
And one thing about Brandon Roy Vall that I don't necessarily like where, you know, it's gotten him to where he is today, but his style is very finish dependent in my eyes. You know, he he's an opportunistic finisher, but if he doesn't get that finish, it's, you know, he typically doesn't win the fight. You know, like in the Bontarine fight, he's grounded the entire round one and it takes Bontarine gas and to, to, to win that fight. In the Kaikar France, he gets dropped and then throws like some spinning elbow, you know, and then in the Nicolau fight, it's a knee up the middle. And while I don't want to take anything away from him, um, it, it's kind of opportunistic finishes, things that I don't necessarily like to back on at 125 either. Um, and then you got to see, you see a guy in Moreno who outside his, you know, tough fight um, that he took immediately out the gates against Pantoja, he's never been finished in his career. So I love the durability for Moreno as well. Um, a lot of, a lot of things for me to comfortably get to my, my minus 250 tag. I got on Brandon Moreno. I, I see it inflating, but you know, the cards built around this guy, whether it goes to close decision or not, I, I don't see them. I don't see the judges giving Brandon Royval the win here in Mexico city with the, with the card built around Moreno. So I do feel pretty confident on him. Um, I actually got him and Naimov at minus 110 before their lines have been hit. So I got a parlay with with them two to return a unit and a half. Um, so, yeah, that's my thoughts on the fight. I, I do think Brandon Moreno is a pretty clear favorite here, and I, I'm going to go with the with the championship round submission, actually. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I'd love to see it. Yeah. 13 fights, man, Mexico. Uh, Mexico City on Saturday. Tons of elevation. Should be interesting. I think uh, almost every single one of these fights are showcasing a Mexican fighter as well. So nice to nice to see that as well. And uh, we back for next week for some more fights. I appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Take it easy. Yes, sir. Peace.